What's going on, everybody? And welcome to episode 34 of the Did You Hear podcast, part of the Blue Wire Hustle podcast network. I'm Emma Houghton. He's Pat Zhang. And Pat, the all-star break is next week. We are just over halfway through the baseball season. We talk about it all the time. Thinking about 60 games right now, how far behind mm-hmm. that is, how far back that was. But I am so excited about our episode today. It's going to be so fun. Yeah, this is going to be great. I am, I listen, I love the Major League Baseball All-Star Game. I think Colorado is going to be such a cool backdrop for it, especially oh, yeah. just thinking about that home run derby. Just, oh my God, I can salivate over thinking of a home run derby at, at Coors Field for the amount of home runs I could have and some star power in it as well. We know about Otani. We know about Alonzo. Matt Olson said he's going to be in it today. Uh, at the time of recording, it's going to be great. Uh, next week will be fantastic for baseball fans. I was just going to say, your guy. Matt mm-hmm. Olson is your guy now. That'll oh, be cool. I love Matt Olson. So, that, it, listen, that swing in Coors yeah. Field, it's oh, yeah. got a chance to generate a ton of home runs. I think there are three spots left, right? Uh, I think it. I think it's down to two now. No, so okay, because so he was the Salvador third, so Perez and him came in uh, yeah. this week, and then I think it's two National League slots still open. Yeah, I think probably Acuna, Soto would be. That's cool. what I'm hoping for. That's what I'm Soto hoping for. So cool. yeah, Story and Alonzo so far, yeah. which are great from the NL. Yeah, uh, having the who, Colorado guy. Exactly. Is how do they fill that out then with the final two? Yeah, it's always been on my on my bucket list to go to an All Star game. I think I've said that before. I think it's so cool. I think the voting process is a little suspect, <laughs> questionable at best. Yeah, more of a, a popularity contest than anything. But the whole atmosphere of the All Star game is, is truly awesome. I think actually it's the best sports All Star game across could the not, four major sports. Yeah, could not agree more that it's the best All-Star game. I was lucky enough to go to the Home Run Derby at City Field in 2013 with my dad. So No way. Yeah, so thank you to my dad for that experience uh, eight years ago now. That is um, so cool. Yeah, it was it was amazing. So anyone that can get out there, I highly recommend it. Yeah, and Colorado, I mean, with the mountains in the back, that, that is it's so gonna cool. It's going to be great. So, it's going to be awesome. So focusing on today, we've been throwing this idea around for a month. Yeah. <laughs> it has been a yeah, long time. So. so Basically, it started with, I found this idea on Twitter, and it was naming each team's MVP for each month. So you and I threw that around a little bit, and we decided that would be a little bit too much each month since we already do the position players and pitchers Mm -hmm. of the month. And then we decided that the All-Star break would be the perfect time to do this because it's just past the halfway point. We're obviously in a good lull now anyway as we get this last week of games and a couple of days off with the All-Star break. So today, we're going to focus on the AL, and then on the walk-off on Friday, we'll focus on the NL. And Pat and I have split the teams. I'm doing eight today. Pat is doing eight on Friday. And we will name each team's MVP. The other person has a chance to counter but we're going to do them semi-rapid fire so we don't, we, we don't get on past two hours here. Because <laughs> we, we could, could. Do, yeah. <laughs> as always. But I'm super excited. Um, I'm going to take the AL East and half of the Central, and then you've got half the Central and the AL West. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. I'm, I'm really excited to break through the AL. You know I can't wait for the NL. So yep. let's do it. I said just before I started, I feel like there are some definite favorites in the NL but a few of the AL, I had kind of a hard time. So I'm oh, curious definitely. to see to see exactly where you where you land. But uh, all right, so I will get right into it. In the AL East, we took mm-hmm. 
the standings, and we'll go through the standings as of Agreed. July 6th, Tuesday night at 8 o'clock p.m. Because <laughs> games are obviously Things being could played change. tonight. Yeah. Uh, Shohei Otani is pitching against the Red Sox. Mm-hmm. I am so excited to watch that later. Yes. But I'll start with the Red Sox. And I actually think this is probably my most controversial pick. So I almost wish it wasn't first. But shame because the Red Sox are in first place. Man. I know. One of the best records in baseball. Hmm. It's tough. Hmm. Okay, so my Red Sox MVP of the 2021 season is Matt Barnes. Ooh, I like that. And it was obviously between a few guys. We can also name honorable mentions, of course. Did um, you consider Garrett Whitlock by any chance? I didn't. I'm just thinking of the bullpen with you going with Barnes. Yeah, that was a serious question, well. right? Yeah, yeah, no, seriously. Yeah. Uh, I didn't I didn't mention him, but he's actually been unbelievable, especially in high leverage situations mm-hmm. and especially against the Yankees, which is particularly satisfying. And painful but the th- for Yankee fans. <laughs> yeah, the three that I was really between were Xander Bogarts, Rafael Devers. Yep. And I ended up going with Matt Barnes because when I took the whole MVP into consideration, and I do the same thing with our monthly uh, position player and pitcher awards... I try and think about how they elevate their team. And if you compare the 2020 Red Sox to the 2021 Red Sox, the biggest difference is relief pitching. Mm -hmm. And the anchor of that bullpen is Matt Barnes. I mean, he's thrown 37 innings, 268 ERA, 202 FIP, and his K percentage is 44.6%. He has a. He's blown a few saves. He is not perfect. But the evolution of Matt Barnes's career is literally astonishing. And I also compared him to, if I had to say off the top of my head, the best closer in the AL, I would have said Liam Hendricks. Mm-hmm. Matt Barnes is better in almost every statistical category than Liam Hendricks. So that blew my mind a little bit. And that's yeah, I why I, that. I really think that without Matt Barnes, this team would be incredibly different. Yeah, I like that with Barnes a lot. As I said, I looked at Garrett Whitlock because I know, as you said, he has been in a ton of high leverage situations and have really come through. And then I would have spotlighted, as you said, Rafi Devers, just the year he's having at third base. And mostly for me, it's the RBIs. He is a machine at getting runners in, and that is so important. Almost a 940 OPS. There are plenty of options when it goes to the Red Sox. Matt Barnes (laughs) is a very solid choice. It's nice when you have a lot of options, right? Mm -hmm. And I hadn't even thought about Garrett Whitlock, who also has revolutionized this bullpen. And that is not saying that the Red Sox don't need to make a few moves at the deadline. Because I think they do, and I think they need to add a few arms. But, yeah, Rafi Devers, I mean, the Red Sox have become so good at situational hitting. And that's that's one of the best reasons why they're so fun to watch. Because they have a weakness. They can't hit with runners in scoring position with less than two outs, and they immediately fix that problem. It's They're so well coached. They have such good energy. Their guys want to win so badly, and they have Chris Sale coming back, in my opinion, in the next month. I think he's going to be that, back that quickly because he wants it so badly, and this Red Sox team is legit. I don't know how many times I have to plead my case or beg my case. This Red Sox team is for real. Yes, it is. And we actually, we're both wrong here. The team MVP for the Red Sox is Alex Cora. But oh, yes. if we're going with position players. Oh, <laughs> I should have done that. It really, the way he handles his clubs are is just mind-blowing it's, to watch. Listen, he's the big difference with this Red Sox team. Yep. I mean, yes, you go into bullpen and things like that. But the, the big change is manager. And it's Good he call. has made such an impact. 
Love that. All right, good ending. I like that a lot. <laughs> I'll switch. Glad. I'll switch over to Tampa Bay now, who mm-hmm. has the Sox have a four and a half game lead over Tampa right now, who after a really, really hot stretch, went twelve and fourteen in June. So they're in a bit of a skid. When Wander Franco came up, that was really them going all in, and he's been good, not exceptional, which I think still has the training wheels on a little bit, which I'm perfectly I, I okay agree. with. Uh, I also saw today that they are potentially bringing up Vidal Bruhan soon, which is another nice um, shot in the arm. Yeah, them. it looks like he is going to come up, which would be yeah. really exciting. More infield depth, which you yep. can never have enough of, especially <sighs> in the Rays organization. So a little bit of a disappointing pick, if that's the right word. Mm-hmm. I went with Tyler Glass now here. Okay. And obviously the unfortunate thing is that he is hurt and he might not even be back this season. But when I looked at his numbers and when I looked at his value to the team and everybody else is kind of average, nobody else on this team is elite like Glass now. I thought about Colin McHugh, honestly, is having a really good year. Diego Castillo also in the pen. Um, Austin Meadows, Mike Zanino making an all-star appearance. But Tyler Glass now, he still has thrown almost 90 innings. He has a 2.5 F4, which is higher than anyone else on the team. And his K percentage and width percentage are higher than the 96th percentile. His stuff is just, I've said top three in the AL, in my opinion. Yeah, Glasnow is filthy, so it really is so disappointing that that he's going to be out. Maybe Brett Phillips will take his spot in the rotation after uh, what he showed. That, Pat, <laughs> that was the best thing I've ever seen. That might have been I mean, one of the best moments of this baseball season when he came in to pitch against the Blue Jays over the weekend. Can we take a second to talk about that, actually? Please. Because it is very important. Yes. The first thing I thought of when I watched that was how the Rays are handling getting blown out of a game versus, do you know what I'm going to say? Uh, are you, by any chance, could it be Tony Larusa? It could. Yeah, and I, it I, is. We've we've been we've done a lot of shows together for us to be on the same wavelength. It's there. just the the way that the White Sox handled it versus mm-hmm. the Rays just having fun, knowing that they're getting blown out. Brett Phillips is looking like a complete fool on the mound, and, it's <laughs> and he's hilarious. having a great time doing it. Yep. And now, I mean, so Yerman Mercedes actually just got demoted. He did. And the splits since Tony Larusa got involved, and before are actually absolutely insane. I'm not willing I'm not willing to say to give Larusa that much credit, yeah, I guess. Me but it is it was just so stark to me when I watched that video. Tony Larusa just took the fun out of the White Sox. He did, but yeah, I had to spotlight Brett Phillips cuz that was just pure baseball gold. Amazing. O- over Truly. the weekend. Uh if you want to go with the Rays, I all- always think of the bullpen. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, Kevin Cash had the very famous comment last year we got a stable guys that throw 100 and he's completely right. They're doing it again this year with Fairbra- Fairbanks, Kitridge, Castillo. Uh but I'm going to go with Joey Wendell. It just he's the guy that just keeps things going for for Tampa you know he he plays a a bunch of different positions he's got 20 doubles already this season you know a 340 on base percentage he's a very very important cog to that to that infield for Tampa Bay so I'll I'll lean with him but uh, Glass now as you said listen when he's on and when he's pitching he's a Cy Young candidate of course yeah always and uh, Wendell's a really good pick and he was really hot for a while he was getting all-star consideration for a while um, another guy, G-Man Choi, hasn't played all season, but he mm-hmm. is another huge cog for them. And the best thing about the Rays, you probably maybe haven't heard their names before. Somebody yeah. like Joey Wendell, it's it's crazy. That's how what, they like to do it. How many tools he has and what he brings to this team, and he's going to hit like six 
in the lineup and nobody will buy his jersey ever, which is so nope. unfortunate. It is sad. Poor Joey Wendell. Poor Joey um, a Wendell. guy who will get a lot of jersey sales, and this was the second most obvious pick, mm-hmm. the Toronto Blue Jays, Vladimir Guerrero jr yeah i can't i can't go anywhere else as much as i love teoscar hernandez as mm-hmm. much as when this season is done and we revisit this there's a chance that alec manoa could be an interesting name here who has given oh. them some great innings of late there's one man and one man only for the toronto blue jays so take it away uh 94 better than league average mm-hmm. according to the weighted runs created plus metric and what i'm most excited about and something i actually wanted to ask you Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is in the triple crown watch zone. Oh, for sure. The danger zone, if you will. My question, if Vladdy wins the triple crown... Uh-oh, don't and say it. Shohei yep. Otani keeps up this pace, very similar to the question that I asked you a couple weeks ago, if Mike mm-hmm. Trout hits 400 and Otani keeps up this pace, who would you give the AL MVP to? <laughs> that is the most evil question i right? think i've that's ever act- been asked pat that's worse than mike trout hitting it is it is worse yeah. um i think it would come down to if the blue jays find a way to make the playoffs and he wins a triple crown i think vlad is your mvp oh. okay but if it's two non-playoff teams and otani goes off to hit 50 home runs and pitch the way he's been doing it's it's gonna be otani that's how I'll, that's how i don't answer the question while answering the question at the same time <laughs> Uh, I have some things to say about Otani. Yeah. As if we haven't talked enough about him. But there's been a whole lot of talk about this, uh, the Angels not getting to the playoffs. But without Mike Trout, Shohei Otani has done a pretty good job keeping the Angels in. Contention. His Mike Trout impersonation is pretty good. Pretty good. <laughs> uh, but we'll we'll leave that for a little bit later. Yes. Yeah. I mean, Guerrero Jr., it was the second most obvious pick. I did want to mention Marcus Semien because I think on any mm-hmm. other team he would have gotten this award, and I think this will go down as one of, if not the most impactful offseason signing this past year because yes. what Marcus Semien provides to that lineup, what he provides in a mentorship role, and what he provides to the defense and the top of the lineup, it's almost unquantifiable. Yeah, he is so important to everything that they do. Yeah. What a what a really strong signing that was for them. So good. And mm-hmm. and George Springer's coming back. They are making a push. And uh, Vladdy also had a 4.6 F4, which is the highest of any F4 I did. Doing any research I did for this entire episode. That's just crazy. So now I'm going to shift to the Yankees. And I had a, a few less options for the Yanks on this one. I'm going with Aaron Judge for their team MVP. Mm-hmm. That was fairly obvious to me. He has a 902 OPS, a 523 slug. He's he's still walking 13% of the time, which I think is a good stat for him. He's just about career numbers. If not, uh, he's actually been a little bit slower of late at the beginning of the season. He was having a career year. Um, the bigger narrative here for me was just how disappointing slash stunning it was that behind him i really am not i'm really not sure who else you would go with for this one yeah i for me my honorable mention is definitely chad green who has been their most valuable reliever this year you know can go multiple innings has a very strong whip has almost a 200 era plus has been very very good for them but for me yes it's aaron judge and i think judge has unfairly at times gotten a bad rap because yes he has had injury problems before but when Aaron Judge is healthy Aaron Judge consistently is so good 
and he's doing it again this year. You know, he's played in almost 80 games. He hits for average. We know about the power. He plays a great right field as well, which again, I think is a little underrated. Uh, Judge is your MVP, but as you said, there's the years you've gotten behind him. I mean, Gary Sanchez has been better of late. DJ LeMahieu has had a poor poor season for his standards. Glaber Torres has fallen off a cliff. Mm-hmm. It's it's a disappointing year for the Yankees. Yeah, um, I we are exa- on exactly the same page today because mm-hmm. I was going to bring up his defense. Yeah, and the fact that Aaron Judge has been able to platoon in center field at his stature. And he's not a center fielder, and he still plays a decent center field for them. Very, very impressive. I Mm -hmm. definitely wanted to mention that. Yeah, it really stinks when you're hurt in your first season or two, and that injury narrative is created. And I'm not saying that it shouldn't have been created, because it's true. But if he can just prove his durability and his longevity, kind of what kind of like what Carlos Correa is doing this year, mm-hmm. then there are going to be absolutely no critics of Judge's game because he really is a a very, very good baseball player, obviously. Yes. No, so, for, for sure. Aaron Judge got one of the outfield positions, and you and I were both fine with that when mm-hmm. we did our, our All-Star yes, episode. Yes, completely comfortable with that. I will wrap up the AL East with my guy, your 2021 Orioles... Halfway point MVP. Uh, should take over for Mike Trout in the All-Star game. Should take over for Mike Trout, but it still isn't as good because he should have been a starter. Yes, he should have been. Cedric Mullins. And I'll start my... I don't even know the word. I was going to say <laughs> eulogy, but that's obviously not... Soliloquy. Right, soliloquy to Cedric Mullins. He scrapped being a switch hitter because he was really bad on the right side. He focused on being a lefty. And he has literally blossomed into one of the best outfielders in the AL. Mm-hmm. He is one of the best outfielders in the American League. I did a baseball reference comparison between him and Aaron Judge. Aaron Judge is a starter in the All-Star game. And Cedric Mullins, I think, finished in seventh. I don't. I haven't checked in a, in a week or so. That, that might be right. It was around there, at least. Which was just disgusting to me. Uh, yes. Versus Aaron Judge, Mullins has more at-bats more runs, more hits, more doubles, and more stolen bases, and that is a to zero on Judge's side. Mm-hmm. He also has a better batting average, on-base percentage, slugging percentage, OPS, and OPS plus than Aaron Judge, with a lot less strikeouts and only four less homers. This is coming after us just praising Aaron Judge, and Cedric Mullins is that much better. What he's doing this year, at least at the plate, is he is driving the ball so much more than he ever has before. His expected slugging has gone up 150 points from a year ago. That's a great stat. And 200 points from two years ago. That is an insane jump to have. So he, you know, as we said, he's driving the ball in the gap plenty. And what the other thing he also does is he plays a great outfield or a great center field for them. He is in the 98th percentile in outs above average, which is basically how range is measured. He is better than 98% of the league out there we know how fast he is as well Cedric Mullins you put it perfectly should be an American League all-star starter this year and unfortunately John Means would have been my honorable mention but Mm -hmm. he's been out even longer than Tyler Glass now so I didn't I didn't add him to the list but he was having a great year with the no-hitter obviously and I wonder sorry go ahead I would say just very quickly and then second note honorable mention Trey Mancini just for everything he's been through to come back this year and to play the way he has played which is very well 
you know, again, another guy I'm very excited to see in the home run derby and just a fantastic story for baseball overall. I was just going to say, if you're going to be a homer or if you're going to root for Mancini in the yep. derby, because how do you not root for Mancini? You in can't, the home run derby? you can't root against him. Yeah. It's just, it's such an awesome story and he's such a great guy. Mm-hmm. I was going to say, I wonder what the Orioles do with Cedric Mullins because he's kind of in their plan, but also his value is so high right now that maybe they deal him and we've put a lot of shade on the Rockies and not knowing their direction, but the Orioles are not any better, Pat. They have a lot of good prospects. They have, Rushman. A, they have some good arms this year, some young guys that have been terrible. The Orioles are terrible, and I really think that their talent is better than that, which is why it's been mm-hmm. so surprising to me. The The issue is that they just have one of the worst pitching staffs you are ever yeah. going to see assembled. It's, just, it's the veterans, obviously, that they were going after were the, the Wade LeBlanc type, yes. which I yeah, think puts you in a specific expectation category. It's difficult. And for him, it's also difficult for the Mullins because he is 26 years old. Yeah. But and he's not a free agent until 2026. He doesn't hit arbitration until 2023. So it doesn't kill the Orioles to hang on to him for another two years or so, paying him absolutely nothing. Mm-hmm. But to your point, when is his value ever going to be higher? So it, exactly. as you said, what they do with him is basically going to be how they see themselves. If they see themselves as a contender in two years, or can contend in two years, two to three years, you keep him. But if they think this is going to be a you know a long term rebuild. I, it, you could see them trading him. I, I don't think they will, but those are the two ways they could go. Exactly. You read my mind very well put. That will wrap up the American League. So Matt Barnes, Tyler Glasnow, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., Aaron Judge, and Cedric Mullins are your AL East MVPs. I like it. And I will take the first three teams in the Central before mm-hmm. I throw it over to you. This White Sox one I am excited about. The White Sox still leading in the Central, but the Indians, as we talked about, in our trade deadline preview are keeping things close. They're six games behind right now, which at this point of the season is, is no far stretch at all. My White Sox MVP is Carlos Rodon. Oh, what a year he's had. What a year. So you have so many big bats, and we've talked about the White Sox and how much just unfortunate, how many unfortunate scenarios they've had to go through with injuries. You talk about the guys that could have been on this list, like... Eloy Jimenez and mm-hmm. Yoan Mancada and um, Luis Robert. Yeah, Luis Robert. Thank you. Carlos Rodon has literally been the mainstay of their rotation. And if you had told me that Carlos Rodon would be better than Lucas Giolito, mm-hmm. I would have laughed in your face. But he is. He so eighty three innings pitched. He has a thirty six percent K percentage, which is in the ninety sixth percentile and one of the reasons why he threw a no-hitter. 248 FIP, 3.2 F4, career bests this year in ERA plus, which is 80% better than league average, just for the record. FIP, whip, hits per nine, walks per nine, strikeouts per nine. It all came together this year and he could lead this team literally to a World Series run. Oh, 100%. So I, I love that you went there. He deserves everything. There was a decent chance he did not make the team out of spring training. Oh, he and was non-tendered last exactly. year. Exactly. Yeah. And, and now he finds himself. He's thrown a no-hitter. He's been so good. I cannot agree with you more looking at the White Sox. I also go pitching here. You could say Michael Kopech, who's one of the more exciting arms that they're yep. still trying to figure out if they want him in the bullpen, if they want him in the rotation. He's had injury problems before, but 
man, that, that arm is electric. Garrett Crochet is well out of the bullpen, another guy that throws high 90s, but you know who I had to pick. It's the guy I gushed about this offseason when they got him. It's Lance Lynn. The man is an absolute horse. He has put up very similar numbers to Carlos Rodon. He is an ace for this White Sox team, and as you put it with Rodon, he, and I will come out very strongly and say it, he is going to pitch the Chicago White Sox into the World Series this year. Yeah. I, I said it insane. in the in the preview. I said the White Sox will be your American League team. I stand by it here at the All-Star break. They've got the pitching to do it. You just didn't expect Carlos Rodon to I be can't, that I sentence. can't say when I picked them to go to the World Series, I was factoring <laughs> Carlos Rodon to be this dominant. But, you know, it, it makes me feel makes me feel all right about the pick. It's crazy. <laughs> and that type of starting pitching depth is what puts a team over the edge. Mm-hmm. Oh, you expect sure. a guy like Giolito to find his form. Dylan Cease you can count on for five or six innings. Yep. Keuchel, Lynn. And then you have the literal, and I cannot emphasize this enough, luxury of being able to put Michael Kopech in the starting rotation or the bullpen. Yes. We didn't even mention Liam Hendricks in this yeah. conversation. Not a bad Plus guy the offense the they have. It's crazy. They, The White Sox are so strong, and their injuries have taken away from that narrative. But the fact that they're six games ahead shows shows their, their grit. And I do have to mention some terrible news. Our guy, Yasmani Gondal, mm-hmm. tore his knee flex, ten, what, what, tendon, knee tendon, something like that. And he's out four to six weeks. Broke my heart. Brutal. Because he, he is genuinely having one of my favorite seasons of all time, just with how bizarre everything is with him and the on-base percentage and the average. But uh, it's a tough blow for them because he is a key aspect to, to what they do. I put him as my honorable mention because I just had to talk about it. And give me one second because I took a screenshot of a MLB Network graphic that I saw. And this was over the weekend. Statistics through the end of June. Cedric Mullins, who I just gushed about, your Mm -hmm. Orioles MVP, had 99 hits through the end of June. Most hits in the AL. He has a 391 on-base percentage as of a couple of days ago. Yasmani Grandal had 32 hits through the end of June. Guess what his on-base percentage was, Pat? Tell me it was 391. 391. I think I saw this graphic as well. And it just, it makes you laugh because to quote Jason Stark, that's baseball. (laughs) You literally can't make it up. It's unbelievable. (laughs) So cool. But hopefully he he heals up. And uh, that's just another brutal loss for the White Sox. They cannot catch a break. My God. Yep. Sucks for them. Uh, Zach Collins, though, love him. Great story, too. So he'll if probably the, if they get healthy, too. really watch out. Yeah. And now they're going to be even more active at the trade deadline, mm-hmm. which will be exciting to watch. All right. So I am in the home stretch here. I'll go yep. to the Indians next. This was another fairly obvious one to, to me, also because of some injuries to factor. It's Jose Ramirez. Mm-hmm. And, and the biggest compliment I can give to him is that, in my mind, he will always be a top five AL MVP candidate. He's such a stud. He, he's such a stud. His slash line is 268, 349, 536, 885 OPS. This this cracked me up. His worst baseball savant category was his walk percentage, and he was in the 57th percentile. That means there's no blue. No. There is no blue on that baseball savant page for Jose Ramirez. 
Yeah, Ramirez is a great pick there. As you said, he is always one of the better players in the league. You know, it's kind of buried a little bit this year with the Cleveland team that isn't generating, you know, the same type of attention with guys like Lindor gone, but he still does what he does every single year. And then I love the Ramirez pick. I'm going to go with Fran Mil Reyes, and he has oh. missed time this year with injury. So he's missed about 40 games. But the numbers he has put up in those 40 games, he's hitting 270. He's got 12 home runs this year. He is such a big power bat in the middle of that lineup. Now, he doesn't give you the defense because he's only a DH, but I love the potential of Fran Mill Reyes. I just wish he could have stayed healthy to see the numbers he could have put up over a full season, but that's the type of guy that is incredibly dangerous in Cleveland lineup. Yeah, that's a great point. And all these guys that you think about, imagine how many teams, or I guess just AL teams, but how many teams could use a bat like Reyes. Oh, wow, and he I, would be I, a game changer. I always wonder about what Jose Ramirez's future is going to look like. Is it mm-hmm. going to be the same thing that happened to Francisco Lindor? Because it really seems like a lot of guys go to Cleveland, get their stock up, and then get traded because Cleveland just won't pay them. And, yep. and s- some other huge names, obviously Shane Bieber, Zach Plesac, Aaron Savali, they're all having good years. They all all have are hurt now or, or have been hurt for a large stretch of the season, but I also just wanted to, to talk about how good Jose Ramirez is because absolutely he deserves, he deserves a lot of credit, and he's low key, high key, fast, high yes. key, a very good base runner. <laughs> so my last MVP here, the Detroit Tigers, who are third in the AL Central right now, and again, not something I think you would have expected saying nope. preseason, but to give them some credit, similar to what I was saying about the Orioles. The Tigers have talent. They do. They have a lot of talented arms. So it honestly doesn't shock me that they're compiling some wins together. They have an excellent coach in AJ Hinch, similar to the the Cora effect, honestly. And I'm going to go with one of those young pitchers. And I'm not sure if you'll agree with me here. My Tigers MVP is Casey Mize. Oh, we agree. That was who I had. Really? Mm -hmm. So I went back and forth a lot because... Spencer Turnbull, who yes. was another guy to throw a no-hitter this season, is better than Mize in a lot of pitching categories. But I give it to Mize because he was their number one overall pick in 2018. Uh, we, had, we had the same reasoning, so just it, go on. <laughs> there's been so much hope and expectation on him to be the guy, and I can see him becoming the guy, if not next year, then the year after that. He's already thrown over 91 pit, uh, innings this year. And that's after a 60-game season last year when mm-hmm. a lot of pitchers are dealing with load management and that whole thing. His numbers aren't great. He has a 3.55 ERA and a 4.55 FIP, but he's 23% better than league average in terms of ERA+. plus. His whip is only 1.15, which isn't that bad, and he's still so young. I just see so much potential in him, and he th- he's thrown more than 40 more innings than Turnbull. So I, yep. I, I went with Mize. No, and it, for as I said, it is the same reasoning. For the, it's the amount of hope that is kind of in that arm for yep. him uh, and that Tigers organization. And he has progressed. Remember, he did come up last year and he did not pitch particularly well. And, and this year, I don't want to say he's turned a corner because I don't even think that's fair to him, being that he barely pitched and it was in the 2020 season. But you are seeing glimpses of the potential of why they are so excited to have totally. him. Totally. And, and because of that, I'm completely comfortable with naming him my Tigers MVP. Totally. And Tariq Skubal, another young guy mm-hmm. who's who's turning the corner, if you will. Spencer Torkelson is in their system, correct? Oh, yes. He is yeah. the very, very exciting position player. Another former number one overall pick. I, I'm serious. The Tigers are going to make moves sooner 
than we think. And the biggest reason why I think that is because they went out and, and hired AJ Hinch. You don't hire AJ Hinch and not have some serious plans, a serious five-year plan, let's say. Yeah, I, I think that's very fair. As you said, there's there's certainly some talent in it. AJ Hinch is a very, very good manager. And the Tigers are about to add another, hopefully, blue chip prospect. They've got the third pick in the draft later this yeah. month. So another huge deal. And they've mm-hmm. got some they've got some players to build around. Akil Badu is leading the team in a ton of offensive categories. He's been fun to watch. Yeah. Heimer Condelario, I kinda feel like he's gonna get dealt at some point, but he's a really Could good hitter. It. And then they've got some some rentals and guys like uh Jonathan Scope, who I think they can deal off and get some good prospects for. So mm-hmm. it, it doesn't surprise me at all that the Tigers are winning now, but I also have very high expectations for them in the next few years. Yeah, yeah. I think they're a couple years away from real contention, but yeah, they totally. are build they're certainly building yeah. something. Yeah, so Casey Mize will wrap up my eight teams in the AL, and now I throw it over to you to the uh the bottom dwellers of the central, shall we say. <laughs> <laughs> yes, excited to take this one over. So going to the Minnesota Twins, the answer should be Byron Buxton. But while I gave it to Fran Mil Reyes, who played in 43 games, Buxton hasn't even played a full month, which kind of still looking at his numbers, maybe makes them pop up the page even more. <laughs> We're looking at what Byron Buxton was able to do in April. And I believe in his one or two games when he came back from injury before getting re-injured. But with all that in mind, I'm going with Old Faithful. It's Nelson Cruz. And why is it Nelson Cruz? Because he's going to fetch something for them at the trade deadline. Nelson Cruz, the man never, ever, ever stops hitting. He's sitting there at 18 home runs, 11 doubles. He's hitting over 300. It doesn't matter how old the guy is. He doesn't care. He continues to rake. He's sitting there at 41 years old, and he's going to get dealt to a contender in the American League and is going to have an opportunity to make a a huge impact on a playoff race. Yeah, uh, we talk about Tom Brady beating Father Time Mm -hmm. into the ground. Nelson Cruz is even with Brady right now. And nobody's talking about that. Do yourself a favor, everybody who's listening, and look up Nelson Cruz's Fangraphs page. Yep. And go to Splits and go to Monthly and click June and look how much better Nelson Cruz's career numbers are in or numbers are in June of 2021 at age 41 mm-hmm. versus every other June in his 11-year career. Is it 11 years? It's just the first number that popped into my head. Who knows? Ooh, I don't have it off the top of my it's head. It's a lengthy career, to yes. say the least. And 13, he continues 13. 13 years. So Cruz was my honorable mention just because you actually nailed it. The fact that Byron Buxton hasn't played that much and he still has those numbers, 767 slug. Yep. I get hot starts, but a 767 slug? Oh my God. I I actually, they were much better than I had even thought. And he was still up there in all-star voting. He was out of this world. He hasn't played in so long. Yeah, Yeah. that's one of the biggest crushing things for the Twins and just baseball in general was him getting out, getting injured because it was just ridiculous what he was putting up. But I actually misspoke. It is a 17-year career for Nelson Cruz. Oh, wow. Not want to short him. Yeah. Proud fantastic he has been. And he's a six-time all-star. He's been an ALCS MVP. Like, the guy's... He's a playoff performer. He's he's crushing it the last couple of years. He's doing it again this year. It still blows my mind the Twins were able to just easily bring him back like they were on I that know. one-year deal this, this winter. And someone's got to go out and trade for the guy. 
his market was non-existent. I was surprised by that too. Mm-hmm. The A's just popped into my head. It, that sound, it, it makes a lot of sense for them. They went after Mitch Moreland at the deadline last year, and mm-hmm. he's kind of puttered out. And imagine the pop that would get into that lineup if Nelson Cruz. Was I would love that move. It. I think that I Man. think that's a great idea. Yeah, love no love Nelson Cruz. Awesome pick. No, one hundred percent. So we'll move on to the Kansas City Royals then. And the Royals actually have some interesting ones. If Benintendi was a little healthier, I mean, I say that after I mentioned Fran Mel Reyes and Brian Buxton, I might go with him, even though it might break your heart. So I'll stay away from Andrew Benintendi <laughs> for that Appreciate reason. Appreciate that. <laughs> Danny Duffy was off to a great start, you know, before mm-hmm. he got injured. He's still pitching fine, but it hasn't did you been. Hear, did you hear Pitcher of the Month in April or May, right? Yes, I believe so. Yeah, he was your guy. Yep. So D- Duffy ha- has gotten off to a great start. Another big trade candidate as we mm-hmm. move towards the trade deadline. But for me, it, it is Salvador Perez. He is just, again, another guy. At, he's only 31 years old, even though it feels like he's 39 years old. <laughs> and he is just such a strong player and such a key port of that entire Royals organization. And he's doing it behind the plate to put up these number 36 extra base hits. Uh, he's hitting 280. He's doing it while catching uh, Salvador Perez, deservedly an all-star, and my first half Royals MVP. So the fact that he puts up those numbers as being a catcher is obviously so valuable. And you talk about being the lifeblood of this organization. And that's what he is. I get that. But my Royals MVP went to Whit Merrifield. Oh, I love that. Whit Merrifield's a great player. He's awesome, and he's he means so much to this organization, probably just as much as Perez. Perez has been there longer, but... Whit Merrifield the, is older than Salvador Perez. It's one of my yeah. favorite just-doesn't-make-any-sense type stats. It's There's so weird. Yep. Eight homers, 45 RBIs, and 23 stolen bases. Stolen bases are so valuable. It's crazy, and, and in his age. And the other thing that really stuck out to me about Merrifield, he played all 162 in 2019... And he played all 60 in 2020. You do not see that as much anymore. But he no, is on the all. field every single day, con- contributing from four or five positions at this point in his career. He's a stud, and he's another guy that has been rumored to get traded for I don't know how many years in a row at this yeah, point, it's, and they it's haven't. Yeah, it's tiresome. Yeah. <laughs> it Let is. It go. So I No, I, I love a Merrifield pick, and I think that is very justified. Yeah, but the you were right that the Royals did have some interesting picks. Michael A. Taylor came out to a scorching start at the beginning of the season he Mm -hmm. went back to career numbers but the royals are an interesting team another team that i feel like has too much talent to be where they are at this point of the season their their clock begins when bobby witt jr comes up oh yeah most likely 2022 but i was just gonna say i don't think he comes up this year i i don't either but yeah that'll be very exciting yes it is yeah huge yeah huge beacon for them but uh yeah, our AL Central MVPs, we got Carlos Rodon, Jose Ramirez, Casey Mize, Nelson Cruz, and Salvador Perez. I love it. And so we're we rolling move, here. We are rolling. We will move into the final division. We get to be a little happier as we get to start with the leaders. The Houston Astros are currently your first place team in the American League West. And we've talked about some teams with, you know, a dearth of options to, to go with as your MVP. There are like six guys that you could pick for the Astros here. I am going to go with, again, a guy that was just sitting out there this winter, 
and he found his way back to that team. It's Michael Brantley. I mean, the the job that Michael Brantley seems to do year after year, and it's because he's a different type of player. You know, he is not the the power hitter that we see in, in Major League Baseball for a lot. Of, he is a straight contact average guy. He plays a really solid outfield. He's hitting 340, which was just too much for me to pass up. He is, a, we talk about leadership-wise, like Salvi for the Royals. Brantley is a key cog in that clubhouse for Houston. I go with Michael Brantley. There are no wrong answers with the Astros. Jose Altuve has had a great year. Carlos Correa, we just talked about, has been fantastic. Yoran Alvarez, still just 24 years old. Whenever he's healthy, he rakes. You go to the pitching. Luis Garcia has been so good. Houston has been resurgent this year. There are a ton of different MVPs, but I'm going to go with Brantley. Yeah, that's so good. And I, I honestly didn't even think of Michael Brantley. That's the th- There's so many options for Amidst them. all of the other options. Exactly. Ryan Presley's numbers mm-hmm. are very impressive this year. Uh, Michael Brantley is the quintessential DJ LeMahieu type. Yes, exactly. And, and, that's and there aren't I, many that's like them in the so league, much. which is no, why I, I wanted to spotlight him. And I know DJ's having a down year, but that's always who I'm going to compare him to. The DJ, the, I mean, excuse me, the, the David Fletcher types, the Adam Frazier sure, sure. types, Michael Brantley just shows up every single day and i it's on the tip of my tongue wasn't there a deal that went down was it with the blue jays brantley yes. signed with it the was blue jays but then it turned or, out being a bad report yeah it was reported that he signed with the blue jays but uh that was not true clearly <laughs> yeah and then obviously he came back with the astros i every single team should have been after him because every single team could use a bat and honestly a demeanor like Ma- michael brantley's Mm. such a good player i went with carlos correa yeah i can't go wrong there and and listen to to last week's walk off our he got my june position player of the month 98th percentile and max exit velo which means he hits it really really hard he's in the 95th percentile and outs above average which means he plays really really good defense (laughs) and he's also in the 91st percentile in walk percentage which means he has really really good plate discipline I think those are three huge categories, and if you're good in all three of those, that means you are a really good player, and Carlos Correa, like I said, is going to make himself a lot of money this that, offseason uh, if, they exactly don't, go. if they don't go out and win the World Series this year before all that. He is going to make a really, really, really lot of money. This <laughs> <laughs> is the way to look at it for Correa for the season he's put a together. A lot. Yeah, he's, <laughs> honestly, he has vaulted himself into the most desirable shortstop in my mm-hmm. eyes and it yeah. was Corey Seager who's unfortunately been hurt and it was Lindor and he got snagged Trevor Story is having a really good year but Carlos Correa when he is on the field is the toolsiest of all those players yeah he's it's crazy stud. He, so he good. really is so moving then on to the team that is going to push them in the division for the West and that is the Oakland A's sitting there in second place a part of me really wanted to say Chris Bassett, who at 32 years mm. old has really held it down as their ace, which makes you laugh when you say it at first, but then you look at the numbers and he has put together such a solid season and he's ate up innings for them. Lou Trevino is one of the better closers in the American League. I want to say him, but you know I have to say <laughs> Matt Olson. Just the Olson's a stud. As I talked about it, I feel terrible that the man will not be starting at first base for the American League. In most other seasons, he is your all-star first baseman, but not when Vladdy is chasing a triple crown, as we talked about before. Matt Olson does everything right. He is one of the better first basemen in the league. He hits the ball really hard. He doesn't strike out a ton. He walks. He hits for power. I love Matt Olson. As you know, I am one of the leaders of the Matt Olson fan club. He also leads the A's in war. Uh, It is... He was... 
I wanted to go a different way, but I just couldn't. No, you can't. I have no further comments. You <laughs> summed it all up perfectly. The only thing I have to say is that you are the the absolute leader. You take that. I, I think I might be totally by yourself. Honorable mention. I I did want to mention the pitchers as well. Yes. I actually will. I, I can confidently say. Chris Bassett, this emergence started last year, too. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. he has put together a really good stretch over the past two seasons. Three of Oakland's starting pitchers have pitched over 97 innings. Sean Manaya, Chris Bassett, and Cole Irvin, who has been a godsend for them. They always falter in the postseason, but they've been they putting do. a lot of onus on those guys, and they've performed. And that's with down seasons from... Uh, Frankie Montas and AJ Pook, guys that they expected to be insane, and are Jesus Lazardo, another guy. Yeah, I've been injured. They've relied on their bullpen. They've relied on those three starters, and they've relied on the mats. Matt Olson was definitely my pick for this one. Yes, yes, H- had to do it. Had to do it. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> Moving into honestly a big upset in that the Seattle Mariners are sitting there in third place and sitting there five games over five hundred, which. I will be the first to say might be one of the bigger surprises, not might be, is definitely one of the bigger surprises in baseball as we get around to the all-star break. But the funny thing is, you know, you go up and down that roster and I'm not sure there's a massive one that stands out. As you said uh, with our last episode, Kikuchi, so nice to see him finally come on because he has taken a lot of flack for coming over from Japan and not being great. I did go with Ty France, the first baseman for, for my MVP vote for them. He has put together, honestly, some really solid numbers, sitting there at a 350 on base percentage, OPS plus at 20% better than league average uh, as well. A BABIP over 300, which is nice to to look at there. His, his strikeout rate is down. I like what Ty France is doing, and he's still young enough where if the Mariners sitting there at over five games, five games over 500, feel that there is a window of contention coming up either. I would not say it's this year with how competitive the American League is, but next year or the year after that he's got a decent chance to to really make some headway there yeah i really like that pick i thought about him i wanted to paint a picture of the mariners a Mm -hmm. little bit they were 14 and 12 in june i mentioned at the beginning that the rays were 12 and 14 you mentioned pat that this was a hard one for you to pick it was right yeah it might have been the hardest one for me to pick this was the last one i did because i had so many names going through their head and not a lot of them are high-profile names. Dylan Moore, Ty France, Mitch Haniger was really good at the beginning of the season. But with these batting stats that I'm going to say, I had to go with a hitter. So in April, the Mariners hit 211. In May, they hit 199. And in June, it has ballooned all the way up to 240. Three, which if you hear the the numbers, two forty three, <laughs> it's obviously not great. But to see that much of a it's jump a big difference, for a yeah. team that got no hit twice through the first two months of the season is really impressive. And a guy I give a lot of that credit to, my MVP Jake Fraley. Ooh. So he had a hamstring injury a week into the season, so he only has one hundred and twenty six at bats. But in those plate appearances, seven homers. He has a 437 OBP, a 505 slug, and a 942 OPS. If he stays healthy and he continues to hit like that, that uh, obviously won't be sustainable. But even if he regresses a little bit, I think the the Mariners can make a little bit of noise. And that obviously isn't a playoff berth. Mm -hmm. But 
you said right before you started, the Mariners could be the biggest surprise in baseball. I think the Angels being 500 without Mike Trout, the Yankees being terrible, and the Mariners having the wild card spot over the New York Yankees yep. at the All-Star break are the top three biggest surprises in baseball. And I love that all you could honestly put your hand into a hat and pick out a name, and that could end up being the Mariners MVP because it seems like it's a different guy every night. It, it does. It is Honestly, it's crazy that they are sitting there with, with a record, as you said, better than the New York Yankees as we record yeah. this on July 6th. So it's... And that's a huge accomplishment for them because they had very low expectations heading into the season. So, well, you know, we'll see how long they can kind of be plucky and be a nuisance and stick around. But uh, guys like that are, are, you know, reasons why they're five games over. At this point, they've stuck around and been a nuisance way longer than I ever expected. Way longer. Way longer. Way if, longer. If, if I'm reading this right and the standings were done today, I, again, July 6th, now it's 845. The Mariners and the Rays would be your wild card winners. Uh, Oakland, Oakland's got. 49 oh, that's wins. right. I yes, completely forgot about. Yes, Oakland. they are right. No, no, no. But listen, Seattle's right there. Is but then the they're third. Seattle's yes. third. My, yes, my point yes, was yes. that they're above Toronto. They have yes. a better win percentage than the Toronto Blue Jays. Yeah, crazy. it's pretty crazy. It's it's really is pretty crazy. So. Yeah. The American League West. <laughs> yeah, I, I love it. Ty France is a really good pick there, too. Yes, yes, thank you. Going into one of the fun ones, I mean, we'll go with the honorable mentions first because I think you have, a, yes. you know, what the, the answer is here uh, for the Los Angeles Angels. The season that Jared Walsh is having should not be overlooked. Jared Walsh has turned into, a, we, I've used the term key cog a couple of times. He has become such an important part of this Angels lineup. He can't hit lefties at all, <laughs> but he is is very, very effective against righties. He's got over 60 RBIs this season, which is great. Um, you know, going to the bullpen, I think the Russell Iglesias pickup was one of the better ones in the offseason. And, you know, you don't see the Angels usually making very intelligent pitching decisions, but they did there. Steve Ciszek as well, you know, was a, a nice addition to that bullpen. But, I mean, come on. The, the team MVP for the for the Angels is Shohei Otani. And just to look at it for Otani, he has almost two and a half times more B-War than the second place Los Angeles Oh my God. Angel. And we are sitting here in July, not at the end of the season. Like, so it's very hard to really differentiate yourself in war uh, when we're only halfway through the season. He's already done it so much so. Everyone knows about Showtime. He's got 31 home runs as we record this. I say as we record this because God knows how many home runs he could hit tonight, even though he's pitching. Yeah, it's insane. <laughs> we know how great he's been about on the mound. If you want to hear more about him, we put out a fantastic episode about a week ago, uh, two weeks ago, about greatness and, and what Otani and DeGrom have been. Be sure to listen to that one so that I'm not a complete broken record here, but I think we knew that the Angels MVP was going to be Mr. Otani. I didn't write a single thing down. I didn't either. Because we have said it enough. <laughs> it's a- it's absolutely insane. Uh, one thing I did want to add, the umpires inspected him, and yeah. then he-, he shook their hand. I loved that. Did you see that? I did. I-, I-, I actually watched the video twice because this guy has so much joy, and he plays with so much joy, and I absolutely love that about him. I did the same ex- same exact thing as you. And I wrote down stats on Jared Walsh. Yeah, I wrote down Jared Walsh, exactly. <laughs> my honorable mention. And I did something interesting here. I compared him to Matt Olson because I wanted to see how that's, they line that's up. That's a very cool comparison, yep. Some of the top first basemen 
in the AL along with Yuli Gurriel and uh, Flatty, obviously. So Jared Walsh versus Matt Olson, same amount of homers with 20, basically the same batting average. Their on-base percentage in slugging is within 40 or 50 points. And Jared Walsh just has a slightly lower OPS plus and really the big differentiator differentiator is 40 more strikeouts <laughs> than Matt Olson. But when I look at that slash line and I look with, at how much better than league average they both are, Jared Walsh is in very good company. He yes, is he a is. really, really good young player. Yeah, he, he has turned into a very, very solid middle of the order bat for them. And when Trout comes back and you would imagine that Anthony Rendon is going to be better at some point, you know, we talk about it all the time. The Angels have a lineup. It's can they pitch, which the answer is usually no. But, you know, if if they actually add some pieces there, you could finally see them vault into contention. Yeah, just another short soliloquy on the Angels. Rendon actually landed on the IL on Tuesday. Yes. So you would hope that maybe he has just been struggling with injuries all season long, and that's why he's regressed a little bit. Mm-hmm. He'll, he'll find his way back no matter what. I would argue that the Angels pitching staff, at least the starting rotation, has been worse than what I thought it was going to be it's been and rough. what I even had expectations. It has been downright abysmal, absolutely terrible, and the Angels are still legitimately contenders. I do not think they will sell. <laughs> I they don't think they will either. It, they no, might not no. make it to the playoffs, but they are going to play all 162, hoping to rack up as many wins as possible. And Shohei Otani and Jared Walsh are getting all the headlines for very good reasons, but the Angels would not be where they are right now without Mike Trout, if not for Rizal Iglesias. He has been unstoppable. So, so good. Another huge offseason pickup for them, and maybe the one example of a pitcher getting better in Los Angeles. (laughs) Maybe the first. That's a fair point. Listen, the, the game plan is simple for the Angels. Hope, wait for Mike Trout to come back and pray you can outmash teams on your way to staying in contention. Yeah, and we've said it for so long, stay yep. afloat, and they've done more than stay afloat. It's they very have. impressive. They it's have, impressive. so we'll, we'll see what they can do once Trout comes back, because that's when yeah. things will get very, very interesting. I hope so. And that leads us into our last team, the last place, Texas Rangers. And for here, I, I think the answer probably is Kyle Gibson. I, I feel very comfortable going with Gibson, but I just wanted to spotlight a guy that, you know, we haven't talked about too much, but it's more of the month he just put together has now really raised his numbers to be really, really strong. And it's Joey Gallo. Like the, and it, again, it all comes down to June where he hit 40 points higher. His on-base percentage was 110 points higher, which is hilarious. His slugging percentage was 200 points higher. He had an OPS over 1.1. He hit 10 home runs in the month of June, more than he had in March, April, and May combined. And now Joey Gallo is sitting there. You know, he's towards the top of the home run boards in the American League. Uh, He's Joey Gallo. It's what he does. He hits home runs. He walks. He plays a good outfield. You know he's going to strike out. He's probably not going to hit for average, even though his average has been, you know, decent enough over the last month. And for the second or third year in a row, maybe he'll get traded as he gets talked about again every single year. But I, I just the June that Joey Gallo had, I wanted to bring it up, and he's brought his numbers to be very, very strong. Yeah, you're right, and he is the quintessential three outcome. Oh, he leads the league player. in strikeouts. <laughs> and this year, he's he's kind of changing that narrative, and mm-hmm. he's obviously so he is my honorable mention because I just cannot get past the 31. 0.5% strikeout percentage. Oh, yeah. 
That's a lot of strikeouts. It's a lot of strikeouts. But he's made other parts of his game better. The defense has always been there. The power is on has always been there. But as you mentioned, the average is a little bit better. He's seeing mm-hmm. the ball a little bit better. And his reward, he's got to get traded out of Texas. This this feels I like the year, will. right? It this feels like really, the year? This really feels like the year. I went with Kyle Gibson. Your favorite stat, 0.66 home runs per nine. And I hope that for the both of them, their reward for a good season is to be traded to a contender. Yep. Yep, I, I think it's a it's a great way to put it. Yeah, but but I, th- that was actually a toss up for me too because I, I mentioned Kyle Gibson won my June AL Pitcher of the Month, mm-hmm. but Joey Gallo he could have been the the p- position player of the Certainly month. That would have been really interesting. The, the bottom dwelling <laughs> Rangers with two potential players of the month. That's pretty impressive. <laughs> pretty impressive. Yeah. All right, so go down the list. Who we got for AL West MVPs? Of course. So going for the West, I went with Michael Brantley from the Astros, Matt Olson from the A's, Ty France from the Mariners, Shohei Otani from the Angels, and Joey Gallo from your Texas Rangers. That is a pretty good list. I would put all those guys in the All Star game. West is really talented. How they play against the current All Star roster. That's a that's a fun experiment. (laughs) Some repeats, obviously. But no, I'm, I mean seriously, there were three ob- the three obvious ones for me were Vladdy, Shohei, and Matt Olson, and mm-hmm. that's potentially because of how much you love him. Yep. But the other yeah, one, this was, it was actually Cedric Mullins was obvious for me too. But it was fun to go through some of these stats and highlight some of the things that maybe people aren't talking about or just are the the unspoken heroes like Rizal Iglesias earns a deserves a lot of credit and I think we gave it to him yes he does so awesome to go through the American League and looking forward to hitting the National League on uh, Friday yeah so make sure you tune on on Friday Pat will have the NL East and half of the Central and then I'll finish up with the other half and the NL West as of standings on when we record Thursday night but let's finish up with our numbers of the week, and we're both taking it to the NBA. You can start us off. Yes, we are. So as we record this, it is the night of the NBA Finals kicking off, which is very exciting, and that is exactly why I went to the NBA. My number comes from ESPN Stats and Info, and it is zero, which is the mm. num- number of players with a championship to be playing in the finals, which is the only time it's been zero since 1977 here with the Suns and the Bucks playing. The only player on either team to have even played any games in the finals is Jay Crowder, who played six games last year with the Heat and, of course, lost. Whoever wins this year, every single player on that roster will get their first championship ring, and I think that is very cool. That is, so, I love that. That it is really, really cool. And in even the fact that it's even the fact that it's Jay Crowder, he doesn't mm-hmm. even really fit into the mold of either of these teams. No, you know no, what I mean? no. And in a league where it, it's often so dominant in the conversation of all, oh, you know who's going to win before right. the season, you know who's going to be in the finals. We're sitting here in the finals. It is the Phoenix Suns and the Milwaukee Bucks. And none of them, none of the players involved have won before. I think that's really cool. And I think it's as much as it gets talked about as the, oh, this isn't the Lakers-Brooklyn finals that everyone wanted or everyone looked towards at the beginning of the season. I think this kind of shows the health of the NBA that these two teams are able to get there. That's a great point. And I think it's better. I truly Mm -hmm. think it's better. And not to pat ourselves on the back, you and I both took Phoenix over the Lakers Mm -hmm. in the first round. And that had a lot to do with with the Lakers' health, but still, this this Suns team is no joke at all. I still I take them in seven. I'm taking. I have Suns. I have Suns in six. Best thing okay. that actually I won't say the stat just in case you say it, but I'll I'll mention it at the end. Okay, so mine actually isn't about this specific finals, but I'll say mine. Then we can okay, go back gotcha. To that. So, 
Uh, I have a percentage, and it's 71%. And that was the winning percentage in the Atlanta Hawks' final 38 games of Oof. the regular season. They, f- they had 27 of 38 wins to close out the season. And a big reason for that, maybe the reason for that, is because Nate McMillan Easily. was hired as the interim coach when the Hawks were 14-20. and 20. They were the 11 seed in the East, and they went on to take the Bucks to six games in the Eastern Conference Finals. They took off the interim tag for Nate McMillan this past week, obviously. Details about the contract haven't come out yet, mm-hmm. but I wanted to highlight Nate McMillan because the job he did with the players and the core he got, we talked about the, the Hawks all the way back in our NBA season preview mm-hmm. months ago, and just... I, Nate McMillan did such a good job, and he should be just a, the shining image of what an NBA coach should be. I just think the Hawks' story is so amazing, and I wanted to highlight that. It was great to see this year, and I'm so happy he was able to get it out of this Hawks team because, I, I, listen, I remember doing that spotlight back in December when the season was coming up, and you're going through that roster, and you just saw how talented it was yeah. and, and the potential that they had for some of these young players, some of the offseason acquisitions that they made. And for them to go out and struggle the way they did, it it didn't, you know, it didn't make sense. They, there was, they were too good for that, as we clearly saw over these playoffs. So they moved on from Lloyd Pierce. They brought in Nate McMillan and McMillan completely stabilized the franchise and, and got the most out of these guys. Trey Young put together one of the best, you know, maiden trips into the postseason by any player. You know, playing in their their first ever postseason with how good he was, Atlanta's clearly building something. I I think this is a you know an exciting start to what the Hawks could be as a power oh, in yeah. the Eastern Conference. And Nate McMillan deserves so much of the praise. Yeah, you put it perfectly. Trey Young had a historic performance in nearly every single game he played in. The Hawks were able to keep themselves in the fight even when he didn't play which is one of their biggest weaknesses back when Lord Pierce was their coach. Mm-hmm. And stabilizing is the perfect word because the fact that they did so well this year raises their ceiling even higher when they have more years to mesh as a group and a core and all their young guys can continue to develop. So kind of like some of the young MLB teams that we were mentioning, like the Tigers and the Mariners, they've got it marinating right now. And they're yeah. exceeding expectations and now they're going to be stalwarts and mainstays in the league in my mind and my eyes. And another perfect example of the health of the NBA. Yeah, no. Trey Young has got the NBA in pretty good hands right now. You're, you're so right. Look, they were a couple games away from being in the NBA Finals. Oh, yeah. So Crazy. A, a great year. And then one last number I have to throw out for the two of us is that's two. And that is the amount of Villanova players that are in this final. Now, of Love course, that. Dante DiVincenzo will not be playing as he does have a knee injury that he is currently rehabbing. But uh, either way, a Villanovan is coming away with an NBA title. And that is for two Villanova class of 2020 grads uh, and two players that we both covered while being at Villanova and Mikhail Bridges and Dante DiVincenzo. It's pretty, pretty cool to see that they're in that position. I was just going to say, guys that we really had connections Mm -hmm. to. It would have been awesome, obviously. Well, Kyle Lowry did win a championship, but we weren't there for him. I took classes with Bridges and DiVincenzo. That's pretty cool. It's awesome. So one of them will become a champion when this is all said and done. That's fantastic for the school. Go Cats. Go Cats. And they both (laughs) had huge impacts. It was was a huge blow when DiVincenzo was out. I think that was maybe the first. First round of the playoffs. Yeah, first rounds. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, And Bridges obviously has been... 
a huge part of that young core with with Booker Bridges on, on Phoenix. Brid, uh, it was a couple weeks ago, but Bridges got a full on article written about him in the New York Times about how good of a defender he is and that he is the one Phoenix usually sends to try to stop top scorers on other he teams. He deserves it. Which he is will just have, so cool. He will have his hands full for the next. Oh yes, he will. Oh, the last thing I hate to put a damper on this, but the fact that Game Seven could be on July twenty second. Does the length in between games bother you as much as it bothers me? Oh, I hate it. It's just, it seems so much. I was going to say in this next few weeks, but really, it, it is literally almost a month. Don't, don't get seems me, yeah. so excessive. Don't get me started on the length between games and the fact that most <laughs> games start after 9 p.m. Eastern. Yeah, don't. that it, too. Just, it's just, I don't, I understand bringing in the West Coast audience for the, the timing-wise, but oh, it's tough. It makes it brutal, and that is why... Even though the Red Sox are playing on the West Coast, because yeah, Shohei Otani is true. pitching, I will be staying up very late. Today. <laughs> but you, you gotta bring that. You gotta bring that Phoenix market in, and it was the same thing with the Lakers in the in the finals last year too. But but going back to the positivity we were talking about, please. The NBA is in really good hands. The Hawks have an excellent coach to work with for the long term future, and we're both taking the Suns over the Bucks. Yep. Hopefully Giannis plays. I really am hopeful that Giannis Antetokounmpo will play. It actually, it actually just got announced while we were recording that he's playing tonight. You're kidding. I am not kidding. <gasps> Woj tweeted it out while we were recording. I guess I just ratted on myself that I had looked at my phone while recording. But oh my, he's I playing. Thought, I thought for sure he wouldn't be back until game three. Nope, he is playing tonight. Wow. We'll see how many minutes he gets, but he's in. Look at so that. that. I've is still got Suns and six. I've still got Suns and six, but this should be a really fun series for the league. Good for him, though. Basketball better. Basketball is oh, better yes. with Giannis. Yes, it. yes, it yeah. is. So, but fingers crossed, though, for our boy Ty. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh god. Hopefully, uh, he's hunkering down somewhere and and you know taking this as it comes, celebrating the small victories and drink some water. You know, always drink some water. Alcohol to helps Ty. Yeah, and um, this was so fun. And please make sure to check in on Friday as we're doing the NL MVPs. Yes, yeah, that's going to be a ton of fun to do on Friday. So it was great going through the American League, but that will do it for us here on the Did You Hear podcast. Be sure to follow, or excuse me, subscribe to the show on iTunes and follow us on Spotify. Leave a rating as well as it really helps us out. And follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Did You Hear Pod. We will be back to finish up Major League Baseball with the National League on Friday. And Emma, that's a wrap.